You're listening to the Refined Hippie Podcast. I am your host, Rebecca Henson. This is my podcast. I am so excited you're joining me today. If you're new around here, welcome and thank you so much. It's great to have you. And if you're a seasoned Refined Hippie Podcast listener, obviously welcome back. And of course, thank you. I appreciate your support so much. Last week's podcast episode with Dr. Will Bolsowitz, a.k.a. Dr. B, went over quite well. I received a ton of great feedback and just interaction from everyone. It was definitely one of my most downloaded episodes, about four to five times as many. I got a lot of new subscribers, and I'm just so grateful, really, for each and every one of you. It's been amazing. People were, you know, sharing it with their friends and family and sharing it on social media. So that really means a lot to me. Um, But also from that episode, it really made me super happy just from the effect of it all to see how many people are really interested in this subject as they should be because if you listened you'll know that our overall health depends on the state of uh, our microbiome it's a subject that I am extremely passionate about and I love helping clients with their nutrition and dietary changes to to help improve their digestion I spent several years researching, reading, experimenting myself to learn all that I could about gut health, microbiome. And I'm really grateful for all that I went through because now I'm able to help others. So if you're someone you know needs some guidance, please shoot me an email at Rebecca at therefinedhippie.com. We can set up a call and see how I can possibly help. So today's episode, I am super excited about as... I always am, (laughs) is with a local artist here in Charleston, South Carolina, John Duckworth. John and I met earlier this year at a friend's dinner party. It was a veggie dinner party, as I call them. I had heard of John before and I think seen some of his work, but never met him in person. However, after we had talked some and I heard some of his story, I immediately thought that he would be an interesting guest. John has been an artist here in town for almost two decades, I believe, and works in lots of different mediums. He's also been a huge animal lover his whole life, had even started out to become a veterinarian. But like many of us, didn't give much thought to eating meat. But we chat about his transition to plant-based living and who got him interested in it the different diets he tried beforehand, and why he ultimately kind of failed at being plant-based initially. John is a lifelong passionate cyclist, having cycled the Great Pyrenees and the Swiss Alps. So clearly he's athletic and active. He's also 6'5", so a pretty big dude, but he is clearly not protein deficient. (laughs) We naturally get into that subject, protein, amino acids, general misconceptions revolving around protein and meat, and how the recovery time for athletes is improved when eating plant-based. We chat about transitioning from a standard American diet to plant-based, gluten, sugar, barriers to entry in becoming plant-based. We also get into kombucha, animal agriculture, marketing, Ayurveda doshas, his art career, of course, an installation performance art piece that he did where he meditated for three to four hours for four to five weeks and how it transformed him. We get into a lot of different subjects. We cover a lot of ground. It was a great conversation. 
So without further ado, here is my interview with the creative and inspirational John Duckworth. Hi, John. Hello. Thanks for coming all the way over from John's Island to absolutely do this podcast. Yeah, with me. thanks for having me, Rebecca. I appreciate it. How was the traffic? It was not bad. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's actually, it was actually not bad at all. That's yeah, right. yeah. Which is good because I take my son to North Charleston. Uh, he goes to Academic Magnet first Ooh. year in high school. What oh number one high school in the country? Good job, Bays. Um, is it really? It was just ranked that by U.S. News and World Report, the number one high school in the country, right here in Charleston, South Carolina, in North Charleston. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. How do you? He has to. You have to. It's test scores, grade scores, and then you write an essay. Wow. So um, that's impressive. He got in. He's really happy. But the traffic has has been from Johns Island to North Charleston has not been good. Really. there was a fatality the other day, and they closed Maybank mm. fully. So it, it was a three and a half hour drive back and forth. <laughs> but a normal drive, even just without, you know, and uh, unfortunate things like that, is yeah. 50, 50 minutes. Oh, that's not too bad. So, yeah. But, you know, yeah. 50 minutes one way, and then I'm 40 some on the way back, and then it I adds go back up. again. Oh, my gosh, yeah. that's true, <laughs> actually. <laughs> it, it, okay, it's like a New like York a commute after, <laughs> after a time. Yeah, that kind of sounds good. It's cool. <laughs> we, we, listen, we listen to a lot of podcasts, yeah. which is great. Learn good things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. awesome. And you've been on John's Island for a while, yeah? Since 2007. Has it changed a ton? Uh, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. just Everywhere. all of Charleston has changed Everywhere. a ton. I, I think it's more noticeable in places like John's Island simply because it's been historically a bit rural. Yeah. Um, a really strong like Gullah Geechee population, a lot of farmers, a lot of horses, and um, and there's not, you know, if you go north of, of Charleston, there's the Francis Marion, so there's kind of a natural protected buffer where you can't really go too much further right. that way of developing. Right. Um, John's Island's not that far from downtown Charleston, and so it's, oh, it's, it's great. and it's the I think the third largest island on the East Coast, so there's a ton of room, oh, and people are now, you know, really development's going. Pretty nuts out really on the fast island right now. It yeah. kind of makes me sad. Yeah, but yeah it, it's, it's inevitable. The, it's I mean, inevitable. I know it's that it's going to grow. It's just I wish that there was ways to do it a bit more healthy. I totally <laughs> concur. <Yeah. laughs> so, how did you end up in Charleston? Because you're not from here, right? No, yeah. I'm from San yeah. Diego. Oh yeah, California. Yeah, I yeah, California. Yeah. I I was born in San Diego, and and my dad uh, retired as he was he was a professional baseball player. What? But then when he retired, before I really, I never really got to see him play. Mm. Um, and he was a California Highway Patrolman. That was his second career. Cool. And um, I have two brothers, two sisters. There's five of us. And he was promoted a few different times within the Highway Patrol. And so we went from San Diego to Northern California, a place called Davis. And it's outside of the state capital, right outside of Sacramento. Mm. And that's where the um, California Highway Patrol Academy is. So he was... Okay you know, teaching there and doing different things. And then he was the physical fitness instructor for all of California for a while. So between Southern and Northern California, I kind of bounced back and forth for the first 20, maybe 23 or so years of my life. Yeah. Before moving out here, which at the time I wasn't really considering a like permanent move. It was more like traveling. Mm. And I was coming out to see the East Coast. I'd never been on the East Coast. I was also sort of, you know, looking around at the friends I was keeping, you know, spending time with. And, and they're all good people, but yeah, it was kind of heading in a direction that was mm-hmm. probably not healthy for me. Mm-hmm. And I thought it might be nice to just kind of 
reinvent myself and travel at the same time. I think I was also distancing myself from my family, you know, just because like... How old were you? The middle child. Um, and uh, I, th I think I was feeling a little bit mm -hmm. like caught in the middle of a lot of family drama. Mm. And I was, you know, wanting to put some distance between that yeah. as well. Let me just... <laughs> I'm just going to have to get, go as far away as I yeah, can I know, right. this, okay? <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, other side of the country. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I mean, and you know, it was it was great coming out here and yeah. um and like i said i didn't anticipate staying for this long but one thing leads to another and you know i was yeah you just go with it here for a few years decided to finish up a degree in in the arts so i got a studio art degree at the college of charleston nice and then um started a business uh frame shop and gallery on east bay street and then got married and then had a child and here we are he's 15 oh my gosh so it's yeah and she, his mother and i split up when he was one but she lives in mount pleasant and we've got a good good thing that's good. going so that's great yeah it's worked out well yeah. i'm now like you know full southerner <laughs> just about i mean i mean you sounded i mean you got, i know you people got... i talked to my friends in california and they're, they're like man you really have a southern accent and i was like really you think so i didn't i didn't really notice <laughs> it happens it I does mean, happen. It's, it's kind of inevitable, yeah. I think. Where are you from? Uh, South Carolina. You are from here? Yeah. Okay. I definitely had more of a Southern vo uh, accent, I think. Um, so I'm from two and a half hours north of here. It's near Florence. It's called Bennettsville. Ah, uh, okay. Talked about it on the podcast. Okay. Not like okay. I know Florence. There's Darlington like 10,000 people. You go to Darlington? Uh, no, but no. if I'm going towards, yeah, I mean, it's close. So, okay. yeah. Um, but I have hear the race though. when it's going on. What's that? What's going on? The Darlington Five or the Darlington Speedway up there. Oh the no, I yeah. didn't go there. No, but I know about it. But I, that that was not my vibe. <laughs> that was not my vibe. <laughs> That's not my scene. I could see um, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but in and Bennettsville is small, and I went to a small private school. And okay, huh? Get out of that place. I mean, I love. I mean, most. How of my long? When did you come there, to Charleston? Uh, I was eighteen. Oh, okay. For, 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 for college. Co for college yeah. Charleston. Yeah. All right. Cool. So go Cougars. Go Cougars. <laughs> nice. It was a great experience. Yeah. yeah. It's a good school. I was really fortunate. I mean, it's beautiful. And, I loved it. Um, at the time I was there in the you know late 90s, um, Charleston wasn't quite the same city it is now either. No. It was much quieter. So it was, it was a, different, uh, it's a different, different place. I really enjoyed it. I'm really thankful that I got to see Charleston in that time period, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, when people come here now, obviously it's amazing, but it's so different than what it was. And I'm just really glad that it really is. Yeah. I'm yeah. on one hand, I'm super thankful because as yeah. an artist, what's happened is, is there's just been such a variety of people from all over the country and the world who are coming, who yeah. are interested in the arts and supporting me and, and yeah. buying artwork. And um, then, of course, there's the, you know, traffic and development right. and the downside of that many people. I'm on the board of Charleston Moves. And so we're always Good. advocating for increased safety for pedestrians and cyclists and it's yeah. only getting worse uh, you know with the amount of people who are arriving and I there's know. no infrastructure for that kind of thing mm -hmm. so um so, you know there's challenges that come with that mm -hmm. kind of burgeoning growth we've seen particularly in the past like five years it's yeah. just really been quick it's been so fast i mean every every six months i feel like it's different yeah. but i do i mean i i think of the old times you know with <laughs> lots of uh you know nostalgia but <laughs> but it is nice i mean we have all these uh, you know, nice amenities that come along with, with being a bigger city, you know? Yeah. But yeah. So I remember when, so, uh, what was the hurricane recently? Dorian. Mm -hmm. So whenever hurricanes come through town, if it's not too crazy, if it's, if it's a cat three or below, I stay we just do. cat yeah. four or five. I'm, I'm, I'm heading okay. for the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, 
So Dorian's coming, and uh, uh, I always love to go downtown just before, after everybody's evacuated and before the hurricane comes. There's like a nice gap window where you can go downtown, and it feels like it did when I moved here in the mid-'90s. It's just really quiet. So nice. And yeah, it's Minus the boards on the windows. Yeah, minus the boards on the windows. (laughs) But but the people, not everywhere, and you can walk down the street. Oh, we we do that every time. It's so much fun. And then you just feel like, it's our town. I know, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) We we have it back. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, and like there's all the local places are open. that's right. You know, so you it's just locals, yeah. and it's like, this is so fun. Like, yeah, there's like no that. tourists here. Not that we don't like tourists, but <laughs> it is fun to have, like, you know, your own city back. Totally. Yeah. So you've been an artist, like, your whole life, pretty much, Jan? Pretty much. Um, In your, I mean, you know. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I've, I've been an artist professionally since, you know, right. maybe early 2000s, uh, 2001 or so. Um, well, pretty much when I, since I left college, I've always worked for myself, so... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of unemployable at this point because <laughs> I don't have any plan B. And, you know, I'm like, <laughs> What's on your resume? I'm, uh, <laughs> I, wear, I work for myself. <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel Yeah, I mean, there's definitely upsides that come with that. But yeah. um, I, I'm, I've been very blessed to have been able yeah. to make a career out yeah. of just making artwork. And I, but it took a while. Like it was, you know, I kind of, um, I had a lot of well-meaning people in my life tell me at a young age and in high school, you know, um, have a backup plan. Mm. And actually, the backup plan is your primary source of income. So, like, get a get a job mm. that allows you the time to work on your artwork, work on your artwork on the side, because being an artist is really difficult. You know, there's the whole starving artist the thing. Classic. And, oh. So there, and everybody pretty much was singing the same tune. So, mm-hmm. my first foray into school was at UC Davis for a biological science degree to be a veterinarian. Um, and that lasted a year and, you know, uh, I, you know, over the course of that year, a few things happened. One, um, I was 18 and had just, you know, gotten out of a, you know, not super strict, but you know, we were definitely a Catholic upbringing. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like went wild. It was like, all right, classic I'm gonna, story. <laughs> I'm gonna go crazy. I was drinking I'm a lot, free. You know, partying all the time. Yeah. And, and um, so my grades weren't that great. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's funny, you, you know, you were introduced me to your two cats here. And, mm-hmm. and my, my, I ended up living with my friend's grandmother. And she had a cat that got a tumor. And it, not to go into too many details, it was pretty disgusting. Like, because it was on its head and there was something oh, going on no. with his ear, something going on with his eye and his nose and, and there was pus and stuff. And, and, it, and I'm, meanwhile, I'm in school to be a veterinarian and yeah. I'm looking at this cat thinking, I can't do that. oh, wow, like, oh yeah, I love animals, but I really love healthy animals. Oh, like no. if I was around sick and healthy and dying or no. injured animals all day long, it would just crush my heart. So, yeah. um, so career change was needed. I was taking art classes at the time too. Yeah. I was doing bio- biological science and art. Um, but it took me still a few more attempts. You know, I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll do something that gives me a baseline income, mm-hmm. but a lot more free time. So I actually went back to school and got an associate degree in fire science and was uh, on my way to being a fireman full time. Oh, wow. Which three days on, three days off. Yeah, that's a nice setup. You get a lot of time to do your own thing. Right. Um, again, it was sort of like, you know, another attempt at kind of the wrong direction, right. you know, me not putting the thing I really want to do at the forefront, but mm-hmm. it taking a back seat. So mm-hmm. uh, after going to the College of Charleston and graduating, I actually did it 
again, I opened up a business frame shop and nice. with a gallery in it, thinking it's art related. This will be really great. Um, you know, it's connected to the world I want to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth is, is being a small business owner is all consuming, mm. you know? And so just, you know, mm-hmm. that was, that was it. And I right. knew it was time and it didn't take me very long to figure it out. Oh, I knew really? it was, yeah. Cause there's a little yeah. chime on the door that goes ding when, when customers right. walk in and whenever that ding would go, I would cringe. Oh, and no. that's when I knew I was like, Oh, <laughs> like, this is bad. <laughs> okay. Like, this should not be how I feel. Well, cause time. I was trying to, I was trying to, you know, you were like in the zone and then somebody the zone comes and in pieces yeah. and doing this work yeah. and then somebody's coming in and it's really hard for me to switch gears yep. like that. Yeah. Some people can do that a lot Better easier than others. Yeah. You know, I know Robert Lang can paint while people are standing around like in the gallery and right. it's not for me. It's, for me, it's more of a solo endeavor. Right. So you're really in. Yeah. And then I did inward. commercial graphic design and photography for clients in town for a while mm-hmm. as a way to um, make some extra money. Beyond like bartending, I bartended for a long time. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's always the that good was way the best to, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed that. I kind of wish I had done bartending. <laughs> I don't know. It looks yeah. fun. <laughs> you get to I like mean, meet lots of people, you know, like social and. Yeah, and I like at the time, like I don't, I don't drink anymore. But yeah. back then, I certainly did. Yeah. And well, I was that would be hard. Drinking too. while I was working. Yeah. Which. The, the owner really didn't care. I feel like they all, don't they all kind of do that? I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm I, speculating. I, my <laughs> experience is yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and it just makes for a, a, a better party yeah. essentially is what you're throwing, you know? Yeah. And, and so we were like DJing essentially with CDs and, and mm-hmm. pouring drinks and, and, and having a party and getting, then walking home with 400 bucks in cash in my pocket. It was, it was pretty That's solid. That's pretty nice. That's pretty yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. That was a good night. Totally. <laughs> I wish I had a, I, I want to open a bar that's like, um, just sir makes like kombucha cocktails, but they don't even have oh to gosh. be, you know, like alcoholic. They could just be like elixirs, you know, with like fancy, yeah. different, I don't know. Are you, like they are you making ones. your own kombucha? Oh yeah. I know you have, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, you are yeah. still. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I am too. I actually <laughs> almost had a major gaffe this morning. I went for my bike ride. And I left my kombucha boiling on the stove and I came back and it, luckily it was a pot that was big enough that it hadn't boiled over, but like 50, all the water was gone. 50% of it was gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my I've kitchen was like this muggy, sweet smelling <laughs> swamp. And I was like, oh shit. You oh, know? So I got to start over and do that. Oh my gosh. I've ju- I do that with that. I'll, you know, put the water on to boil and then I totally forget. I'll go and upstairs yeah. and totally forget about it. And then I come down and there's like no water left. And yeah. I'm like, Dang it. Now yeah, I need to do yeah. this again. <laughs> but I love, I love making kombucha. It's really fun. I do too. Do you do different flavors and stuff? I flavor it with the tea I put in. So I put oh. flavored herbal tea in. So like oh, I do like there's this uh, celestial seasonings tea is my favorite. They have a bunch of different good flavors yeah, like, like you know flavor. mandarin orange or uh-huh. red zinger or watermelon lime or nice. black cherry. And so I put that in the water with the caffeinated tea. Oh. And I only do um, one black tea bag and the all the rest I it's do green. five green tea. Yeah, I need to change um, my ratio. Because I don't actually drink a lot of black tea. Green mm-hmm. tea is really my thing. Oh, and I don't want caffeine right? in that better. big high dose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Less anti. I think there's, I mean, there's more antioxidants, right, in green tea. In green tea, yeah. definitely. There's a whole host of great healthy Tons things, of things in, yeah. in, in, in green tea. Yeah. So, um, but the kombucha scoby needs a certain amount of caffeine mm-hmm. in order to do its thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I've, I've got it like, that's why I don't, I don't know if you, I don't know if it's suggested to do it with a hundred percent green tea. Yeah. That's why I, put I do half black. and half right now, do but you? I think I should do, 
I want to do, you know, more green tea and less black tea. Yeah. Yeah. Try it out. I know. I'm going to try it out. <laughs> I usually, I, I flavor mine after. So I like, oh, okay. I, I do, do like it. a and second then fermentation? I do a then? second fermentation. Okay. And that'll make it more fizzy. So like yes. I, um, I save the bottles. I don't have them. Well, there's one right there. I save oh, yeah. the Dahlia Sophia okay. bottles because they're like wide mouthed. And uh, so I can put the stuff in it after. Yeah. So yeah. I wait until it's like maybe a day or two before it's probably ready. Uh-huh. And then I add either like chopped strawberries or grapefruit is really good or mint. Those are my so, favorite things. And then you have to leave it out. This is not And in then the I fridge. just leave it on the counter so you for pour like it in, two days. You, you, when it's mm-hmm. ready, you pour it in the, the bottles. In all the bottles. And then you pour a little bit of mm-hmm. fruit. You put a little fruit in there. I'll add a little okay. fruit and then and then try to seal it as tight as I can and then just leave it on the counter for two, one or two days and then it becomes really carbonated. And then you stick it in the fridge after mm-hmm. that. Okay. Yeah. I've tried that, but... It didn't work. No, like I think I'm sure it works. I just don't have the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like one fermentation well, is good for me. I will say that it is an extra step. Yeah. And then also sometimes I forget. I mean, I have to keep a calendar because otherwise I'll leave the, it's in oh, the yeah. closet, you know, oh, out of sight, yeah. out of mind. And, and then I'll go test it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so vinegary. It's so vinegary. <laughs> so yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah. Mine are sitting right on top of my fridge, oh, that's but good there's advice. a towel over them Yeah. and the dates, right? easily oh, seen so i'm like like my son actually looked at me two days ago and was like i bet you that's done i was like oh thanks dude because he knows like <laughs> does he like window. kombucha he loves it yeah loves it yeah. yeah i probably wouldn't i would definitely wouldn't brew as much um if if, if he, he didn't, didn't like it, so much. Love it yeah 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 derek doesn't drink it my husband doesn't drink it as much as i do huh. i think he just forgets about it i don't know yeah he does he's not as obsessed but he was i never had even i don't know if i'd even heard of kombucha he was making it. So I guess. Oh, really? Yeah. He, oh, when funny. we first started dating, because he had lived out in Maui, and I guess, like, I don't know. I'm sure people in Maui love kombucha. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a Maui thing. Sure, it does. And so I guess he learned it from living out there and huh. and then was making it. Um, so that was like, I don't know, seven years ago or something. And then he stopped making it, and then I started making it. And, but I've been going strong for like three or four years now. So that's good. Yeah. It's not easy to keep up. No. Because it's consistent, there's no stopping. Yeah. I yeah. mean,. I try to, I'll, I'll hotel my mother for extended periods of time. That's funny. <laughs> oh my God. It's like too if, long. If people do not know what kombucha <laughs> is, that sounds really my mother. funny. I will hotel my mother. I but. love saying it. It's so funny. My mom started making kombucha. Like, and then we would joke about her mother and my, oh my mother gosh. and all that stuff. And I would be like, I'm bringing you my mother. And yeah, she's like, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've actually had some jokes about that too. <laughs> it's really fun. Mother, a.k.a. SCOBY, which stands yes. for uh, symbio- Symbiotic Community Culture communi- col- Colony. Col- colony. Col- oh, yeah, of yeast and, or bacteria and yeast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> um, so so you're primarily a painter and a photographer. You know, I do. It's funny. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, um, and it's kind of I'll, I'll use any medium available. Yeah, so that's fun. I do, I, I do probably more often, you know, working in, with photography and paint. Hmm. But uh, um, my philosophy is more about whatever idea I'm conceptualizing creatively, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes that idea will demand or ask or require a different medium in order to get it across. So sometimes I have an idea to do something, and like, oh, you know what, the, the video would be a really good way mm-hmm. to do this. or. Uh some sort of performance piece or maybe it's painting or maybe it is photography or yeah. so 
you know, maybe it's writing. I don't yeah. know. So like I kind of like leave it open to, mm. to whatever feels like the right match for the sort of idea I have in my mind. Like when you were in college, what were you primarily? Did so you it's a um, studio arts degree and it's no, no more specific than that. So yeah. I was actually taking photography, painting, sculpture. <laughs> I was doing them all, True, all yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. But you didn't gravitate towards like, I don't know. Um, it's sort of the way I've always worked. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 I kind of, it, it, it comes in, in waves where I'll do yeah. photography really intensely for a bit. And then photography is fairly, um, the moment of creative process with photography for mm -hmm. me is very nurturing and creative and spontaneous and intuitive. Everything else past that mm -hmm. is extremely technical. Mm. So there's a lot of work mm. on the computer. Right. There's a lot of... Um, uh, knowledge of the computer. There's a lot of work with the printer. There's color profiling. There's creating your own custom profiles. There's the color proofing that I do. There's a lot of research into the longevity and the ink set wow. and the coding and then the stretching in the frame. Like it's, it's way more involved than just like here's some paint and <laughs> here's the canvas. <laughs> yeah, and and the photography that I've done has been fairly precise and mm. not. Um, Maybe there's a way to reframe that. It's been the surface quality is very smooth. And so any little teeny, even just a little hair from one of my animals shows up very mm, noticeably if wow. it gets caught in the coating and I don't get it out. So it's just meticulous all the way through the yeah. whole process. Yeah. And at some point, that's very satisfying. Yeah. However, it runs its course and I'll need to just get in Burn and start mixing it. paint and yeah. go into a different headspace. Yeah. Be more free. Yeah. Because it's not yeah. very rain, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to talk and get back to the animals. Um, sure. Because I love animals. Uh, when I was five, my whole family thought that I was going to be a veterinarian. Like, Is that, that right? was their whole thing. was that. like, they were like, you better save up. She's going to want to go to vet school oh, wow. or whatever. Yeah. Because um, I just had this, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, this just like crazy connection with all creatures. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess you had that too, like ever since you were small, you felt that way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I've always had this innate ability to connect with them in mm -hmm. a really quickly, in a really yeah. quick way. Yeah. You know? um, and, you know, I ta I've talked about this quite a bit lately, like, like you, without formal language, you know, you can communicate with animals very easily right. and, and they communicate with me, you know, it's wild, yeah. but you know, in, in, in my studio, um, well, I had a, I was telling this story the other day. My dog, Sam, who lived to be 16, um, he was incredible. He's oh. the best dog I've ever had. And um, he, I could be, you know, working on a painting or sitting at the computer or doing something that I'm really engrossed in and have the thought come into my head, you know what, I should probably take Sam to the beach today. And, and worth mentioning, that was his favorite thing to do ever. Yeah. And I could just have the thought and within moments, he would be sitting next to me, looking at me in the face with oh his ears God. up and his eyes really big, what? like, dude, I heard you. Let's do that. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, I'm on the hook, bro. Like, now you know <laughs> that I'm Dang thinking it, you about can read that. my mind. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's. Wow. That's awesome. I, that, I, I appreciate that sort of. Yeah. That sort of connection. Yeah. So you grew up with, with, with pets? With mainly with cats and dogs. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. prior to um, the whole spay neuter thing, so we had kittens all we the do. time. We do. Like, I mean, yeah. at least a litter a year. And yeah. at one point we had 16 cats yeah. because we had like two mothers at the same time. And, you know, these were all, you know, <laughs> 
one cat would have a litter and there'd be like a gray one, an orange one, yeah. a white one, you know, <laughs> yeah. all a calico one. Yeah. And then my brothers and sisters and I would be at the grocery store with a apple box full of kittens trying to oh give them away to people. Like, so it yeah. was, you know, it was a big part of growing yeah. up was spending time with the with, with animals up close. I, I would I would be curious. My mom would probably know how many cats we had at one time. It was definitely close. Was to it that. really? Yeah. Okay. Because so, yeah, we always similar. had kittens, and then we would give them away to I guess to like friends or whatever. But I mean, our house was just filled. Well, they were outdoor, but so and then we ours had, were like, outdoor too. But yeah. they could come in if you were like holding them or petting them. But yeah. They, they yeah. Right. Like on like the patio inside. or the porch yeah. or something. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's like my best memories, and then I've had a lot of heartache from pets. You know, being. Yeah. Run over or they would get in the engine, you know, when it was cold and. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 We've, we've, I've had my, we ran over a cat with the family van with all seven of us in it. Oh, God. He survived. I don't know what, I don't know. Like cats are amazing. Like the whole nine life thing. (laughs) It's true. true. Like I know he was blind. He wasn't blind. I'm sorry. He was deaf. Yeah. He's an albino white cat. We had that we had to, we had a Did white you? cat. Yeah. And they, it's very common for white cats. Yeah. And white cats to be deaf. Yeah, deaf. Yeah. yeah. And so he didn't hear the car starting. Yeah. And we ran him over and he was like had some internal bleeding and was fine. What? <laughs> it's crazy. You took him to the vet and they were like, Yeah, he'll be okay. Like, He's gonna be okay. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. I thought what for a sure lucky he was kitty. Yeah. 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 We had a white cat who was deaf and my brother named him Awesome. Oh, which that's... I never thought about <laughs> it until I got older that I was like, that is Look, cat's name was literally awesome. That's pretty <laughs> like, cool. I, like I that. thought of it more as like you know, I don't know, just like a name. I never yeah, thought of right. it like that. That was the that word that awesome. Was yeah, the word awesome. <laughs> yeah, he was like, "This cat's awesome. We should name her awesome." That's good. <laughs> oh gosh. Huh. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I I didn't get as far as you did about vet school. I I guess I decided long before that that watching having to deal with sick animals and dying animals would be horrific. Yeah. 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 But so now you are a plant-based, you eat plant-based, so you don't eat animals either. I do not. But yeah. when, did, how did that come about? Um, so it's interesting. I had a, uh, f- so because I went to the College of Charleston, there's a few different teachers there who kind of have me on their radar for students who might be a good fit for um, internships. Okay. And uh, Michelle Van Paris, the photography professor I had, who was incredible, um, she had a student who she was like, yeah, I think he'd be, he should, you should, you know, her name, his name was Timmy. And Timmy, you should meet John. And she introduced us. And Timmy came out to my, to my place on John's Island, which is a pretty old school, you know, 1920 farmhouse, you cool. know, fairly rural with a barn building that my studio's in. It's, awesome. it's, it's incredible. That's awesome. Um, and Timmy was really concerned because he's very gay uh, and was like painted fingernails with buttons in his ears and a mohawk and he's like i don't know if this is the right fit he's thinking on on his way in um turned out um to be an incredible fit like we got along right away and we ended up teaching each other like i was kind of showing him the way i created a life as an artist and he was teaching me about food um, I wasn't raised unhealthy. My mother was really, you know, healthy to the point of of, of our detriment at times because she didn't like spice things very well. It was so bland. <laughs> but it was always like 
she was a, she, it was always focused on good, healthy yeah, eating, nutrition. and um, which was not the, the case for most of the mm. people. Yeah. Um, when I was growing up, most of the parents weren't doing that. Um, yeah. But Timmy w- had been vegan for a while. And so he started like introducing me to these vegan concepts and plant-based eating yeah. and I started experimenting and it it took a while you know it yeah. wasn't yeah, something that happened right away right. and and I will say like um I'm I'm more prone to say I don't know have you ever heard of a guy named John Joseph mm. he's a um he's a guy in New York who's a triathlete who eats plant-based mm-hmm. and He's very clear to say, he's very outspoken in a New York way, I love him. <laughs> and, and he's very quick to say, um, I'm, I don't use vegan. Right. He says, I'm, I eat a plant-based, whole foods, yes. organic yeah. diet. Totally. And, and vegan can get kind of slippery and tricky, you know. So I'm similar in that way because it's, when you're talking about diet, I'm just talking about diet. Right. You know, veganism gets into a whole other right. activist area of like everything that happens, right. and it can get kind of tricky at times. One, you can be um, a potato chip vegan. Oh, I mean, you, you can, can be, be vegan and yeah, eat Oreos and, and, and eat Oreos and drink yeah. Coca Cola all day you and be, be really unhealthy. unhealthy you can ever. be, yeah. However, and some people do that because everybody gets into it for different reasons. Totally. Some people do that for activism, for yeah, for animal rights, absolutely. and they're like really. I'm not in this for personal health. Right. I'm in this because I just don't want to kill animals. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, right. everybody has their own yeah. their own way in, you know. But for me, it did start to click where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, if if you were to say, John, every time you eat an animal, you've got to kill it. Right. My answer has always been and will always be like, uh, that's really hard. Like, I don't want to do that. I like, do that. I, I, I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was like a matter of survival. Totally different scenario. It's a different yeah. scenario. But yeah. I'm talking like, I've got options. I'd rather not. Yeah. You know? Um, and I had a few moments where uh, on my property, there was some random things that happened with squirrels. Mm. And, and I like had to put, uh. put a couple squirrels out of their misery. Mm. And I like tried a few different methods and none of them were very were very good and oh, left no. me feeling really terrible oh, no. so even just like trying to like put an animal out of its misery for you know when it was close to death was really hard oh, so gosh. um so that like struck a chord like yeah, okay I, that's clear and then i started you know timmy who is timmy Pacron, his like instagram handle is mississippi vegan yeah. so he's turned this passion of his into a career eventually um at the time he was a photographer who ate vegan and wanted to be a professional photographer um it's been really great to see him grow into this um role of being a using his photography in order to take beautiful photographs of the vegan food that he Mm -hmm. prepares the plant-based dishes he makes so do you have his book i do yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. my friend maggie has his has his um I mean, is there just one? Yep, just, one. just yeah. Yep. And she yep. says it's like the most beautiful cookbook she's ever like. It's her it favorite. It really cookbook. is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. it's not. Um, I would say it's not an entry level cookbook. Yeah. It's it's, you know, it's amazing. Everything he makes is incredible. Right. Um, and I tend to be a bit more. I'm super basic. Like <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I do like to cook, but I'm also 
I appreciate being really efficient with my time. So I, I batch produce things. You mm. know, I have this porridge I make that I end up mm. is dry porridge that I can then just boil for breakfast. Oh, that's um, but I can make up a batch of it that'll last me for a few weeks. Yeah. You know, um, and it's all like ready to go. Right. Um, I think that kind of efficiency is good for people who. Um, well, if you're like starting this kind of. Um, journey and in eating more plant-based because it can be daunting trying to figure out what you're supposed to cook so if you make things in batch then it's like at least you've got one meal figured out yeah yeah Yeah. i mean and that's the way i started i find that that's something that i i have noticed and it is a challenge for me is so many vegans or Mm -hmm. plant-based diet proponents will get angry about the fact that it is so it is, quote, so easy <laughs> to do this. Mm-hmm. And while I recognize it may be very easy for some people, mm. um, in my experience, it's not very easy for most to right. transition from a predominantly, you know, standard American diet to a plant-based diet, yeah. even though the options are plentiful and right. way more than they used to be. Right. Um, like for me, for instance, um, you know, I eventually, I kind of started, I kind of transitioned into paleo. Mm-hmm. And did the Whole30 thing a few times. And um, the nice thing about paleo, which a lot of, you know, plant-based people or vegans will throw under the bus, is that it's, if you have one portion of of, uh, protein that's an animal protein, um, that's, let's say it's, they recommend it's like the size of your fist clenched. Um, You should have three times as many vegetables to go along with that. Mm, So it already is a very, that's the standard recommendation from a paleo diet. So it already is a much healthier way of of getting that kind of um, vegetable, you know, content into your diet. The fiber and the Mm -hmm. the minerals and you're already kind of heading down that direction. Plus there tends to be a whole lot of emphasis on um, local rather than factory farmed uh, yeah, meat. and, that and nice, so that yeah. was kind of for me like the gateway. Like, right. Okay, easy for me to wrap my heads around the fact that factory farming is a abo- is like an abomination horrible. on the planet. Totally not horrible. Not just for the animals, not just for the environment, you know, but for you know our bodies as well. Yeah. You know, so all of it for me once I kind of like dip my toes into that arena was like, ah, oh, I can't unsee that. I know. You know, you know? I know. I mean, I'm sure it's the same. Similar for you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, The first documentary I saw was Cowspiracy, which I had no clue about any of that. I mean, I was really under this impression that they're frolicking in a field and like, you know, like I really, they do such a great job at the marketing on that, you know? And so I really, I was just under this, you know, mindset of probably A, they're here for us, (laughs) which like I can't. Sure. Yeah. I can't believe though, you know, like we're talking about loving animals, like why did that never click for me? Because I mm. love and like it's like it's, painful it's, yeah, how much I love it's them. A, there's <laughs> a dissonance there. It's really wild, but yeah. but it, you know, I think it's I think it's just a lot of it is the 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 marketing and the advertising oh, yeah. that goes into it, right? Um, and a lot of it's just like you know people take these broad assumptions. It's just mm-hmm. the way it, we we do it, so you don't ask any questions. Right. And so when you don't ask any questions, it's just you you follow along with the way your community rolls, right. and that's the way we learn, you right. know, like from our community. And right. so, a lot of times, there's so many. If we questioned every single thing that went on in our community, we'd drive ourselves <laughs> batty. So you have to take certain things for that's granted, true. like this is the way we roll. Yeah. So I don't. Also, like, I don't like to throw people under the bus for, like, being like, how could you not see this? Right. It's like, but they don't know. 
people yeah. just don't see it, you know. But for me, I've always been super experiential. Like I'm right. gonna try this out for myself, see yeah. how it feels, um, and do what I can to watch the videos, to mm-hmm. do a little bit of research and see what I can find out there. Mm-hmm. And and like I said before, like once those doors were open, I can't unsee can't, what I saw yeah. and I can't unknow it, you know. Right. And, and it really is terrible. And then the lies that are spread are really awful. I, I mean. The idea, just for instance, like free-range chickens and this idea that, that people are, have bought into that, oh, mm-hmm. okay, well, maybe I won't do factory farming, but like cage-free yeah. right. chickens. Oh, mm-hmm. that'd be great. That's, that's healthier. Yeah. That's better. Yeah. But the the ruling is actually like if you have like a 30,000 square foot warehouse, you need like, I don't know, it's something like, like a 10 by 12 foot square concrete pad with a door that's as big as like a cat door that the chickens can, quote, go outside if they want theoretically, to. Theoretically, yeah, they can go out. Theoretically, yeah. your eggs could be called free-range chickens right. if they had that capacity. It's just marketing. So it's really, yeah. And once yeah. I figured that out, I was like, all right, <laughs> I, I can do this. There's but it's still, I mean, I totally failed at eating a plant-based diet when I really went all the way in. Oh, really? Oh, big time, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, what I did was... Um, I love to ride my bike, so I do yeah. actually need a good amount of calories and yeah. protein. and yeah. just, you, you gotta know. eat a lot. Um, and so I was doing like smoothies, bars, mm. and salads. Mm. And the salads. Salads, like for, yeah. well, what I found out later uh, was that uh, one, you know, I don't know if you've, you know, dipped your toes into Ayurvedic uh, oh, yeah, things, but yeah, like, yeah. You know, my doshas, there's in Ayurvedic medicine, you know, there's vata, pitta, kapha, mm-hmm. and I'm a combination of pitta and kapha. Mm-hmm. I mean, sorry, pitta and vata. Mm-hmm. So I run really hot. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of energy. That's the that's the vata. But the pitta is a bit more airy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the cold smoothies and the cold salads weren't grounding me very well, right. and they weren't very good for my constitution. I mm-hmm. have a history of having um, irritable bowel syndrome, mm-hmm. and and uh, can be pretty um, uh, uncomfortable. Yeah, and so that was leading to me like just not feeling good and really right. flaring up my my IBS all the time. Yeah. And yeah. turns out that I shouldn't actually be eating a lot of raw vegetables. Mm-hmm. It took me a minute to sort that out, and that more and cooked, that nourishing, more foods, cooked, more yeah. nourishing, more you know warm foods mm-hmm. are much better for me. And yeah. once I figured that out, which took a while, um, I was able to transition in, and then I had a sweet spot in the past like uh, past couple of years. Yeah, where I've like, oh, cool, You're I got in a groove. this. Yeah, I got yeah. this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's um. It's very, I, mean, I think for people who've been cooking a long time, it's even harder. You know, like my mom has become a plant-based uh, vegan. And, oh, yeah? uh, and all of her friends, you know, in their mind, they're like, so what do you eat? Do you just <laughs> eat lettuce all day? And she's right. like, well, no. But it was hard for her because she'd been cooking, you know, for 30 years a certain way, using yeah. certain things. Um, and think- so it made it even harder for her. And. Not just in the kitchen, but but like within your community, within your community yeah. of friends and family. Mm-hmm. That there, there's there's a um, a guy I'm forgetting his name now. Um, um, eating animals, Jonathan Safran oh, Four. Yeah. So yeah. he talks about table manners, and and that is one of the greatest barriers to right. to changing your diet. Is you know particularly when you go plant based, 
is, you know, for instance, sitting around a table with your grandmother and your parents yeah. and family and saying and having to describe like why you're not eating grandma's right. famous chicken <laughs> casserole anymore. You know what I mean? No. And, it, and, it, and it can be oh, no. um, it's awkward. very unnerving and mm-hmm. awkward and put you in an uncomfortable position. Yeah. And, and, and that's one of the biggest barriers to, to entry there. I have sure. found since I started eating plant-based that I don't go out to restaurants very often at all. No. Um, I decline invites to to you know people's houses often as for the mm. same reason you know because of the you know I want to I don't know what I'm you getting. I want to be that person too. And I also, it's, like, it's hard to be that person. And yeah. it's like there's these you know jokes about oh you know uh, how how will you know if somebody's vegan? They'll tell you, and I'm like, that's oh, not <laughs> that's not how it is. Actually, you are offering something to me, and I'm gonna have to tell you that I don't oh, eat that. Like yeah, you yeah. know, and then they I'm say not, why, and then yeah. you explain, and, and then yeah, it's this it whole thing, and then they get defensive. I mean, this has happened to me. I don't know if it happened to you. People seem to be defensive, you know, even though I'm not saying I'm not right. I'm not telling them anything they shouldn't do. I'm just explaining why I don't do it. Well, part and of then, it I believe is is you know. That defensive mechanism is triggered by fear, right? And fear of the unknown, right? And and so, um, and for the most part, it's it's definitely unknown. And people don't people don't want to know that that yeah. they've been fooled by the meat and dairy industry. Like that kind of sucks. It sucks. You know, and, and kind of our government too. And I mean, as soon as so you buy into that, oh, the government's hand in hand. With yeah, that I mean, for they're sure. together. You know, so it's, it's you know the the. Have you heard about the what's called an ag gag law? Oh yeah. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Like that's just. I mean. I can't. It's it's hard to even fathom that the government would fall, follow through on something so obviously as a ploy by. Uh, I mean, the meat and dairy industry, particularly you know cows and pol- and, and and poultry, you know, right. to, to stop and, she, and and dairy, you know that the uh, the whole cheese campaign. Um, God, what is that called? I mean, that was a government run pushed thing you know a that, lot of them are yeah and that yeah. they increased all of the dairy in like schools i mean this is like yeah. pushing it on children which really yeah of all people like okay you can put it on television and try to get people to order you know a double stuffed cheese pizza but when you're like forcing kids to drink this milk and putting extra cheese on their food like that's just come yeah. on and children are at this point in time we have more obese children than we've ever had in the history of the world, obviously. And then you're stuffing this horrible yeah. food down their throat. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you know? the episodes of, uh, of uh, diabetes yeah. and cardiac disease and cancer are skyrocketing. Yeah. You know, so. And people just want to like blame sugar. And I'm like, come on. Yeah. Come on, people. I know. <laughs> Sugar's the problem, too. Yeah. Sugar. I'm not saying oh sugar is good, but yeah. come on. So try, <laughs> like, I did um, this elimination diet uh, and. Uh, um, for uh, autoimmune uh, protocol is what it's called. Yeah, yeah. And I'm already gluten-free, already plant-based, but the other leg of that is so remove all gluten, remove all uh, uh, dairy mm-hmm. and sugar, mm, all processed sugar. Hard, yeah. um, and that was the one that was so surprising when I started really reading labels is oh, how yeah. many places people put sugar. Everywhere. And this guy was talking about... Um, <laughs> Um, the guy who wrote the book was like, so I've been studying fast food restaurants. And he says, I still have yet to find an item on a fast food menu that doesn't have sugar in it. Even the salt on the table, they put sugar in. No way. Yeah. yeah. Because it's so addictive. They want you, yeah. They want you back. Well, and then for fast food, yeah, they want, they'll put whatever. I mean, they have scientists literally working on like concoctions to put in their food. So you're addicted to it. Like, that's right. crazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I mean, I really feel like the... 
the parameters of the game really need to be changed in order for it for there to be any sort of yeah. success in making whole scale change. And the and the, right now the game is set is profit is number one, mm-hmm. and 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 health is nowhere near that even on the. I don't know how you change that. You know? yeah. So yeah, I'm not sure either. It's tough. I mean, awareness. I think you know, having podcasts, having people being outspoken about you know how they made these changes and how it altered their lives. I mean, I don't. Yeah, definitely refined sugar. I mean that. I, I guess I don't talk about that as much, but I um, <coughs> think it's terrible. And <laughs> there is literally no nutritional value in sugar. Um, when I do bake, I use uh, either coconut sugar, which has a lot of nutrients, mm-hmm. or maple syrup. Yeah, which I are like use my maple two syrup. things. Mm, I love maple syrup. It's so good. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know how. I don't know how that shifts could happen faster but it's happening so um there's so definitely yeah. a shift happening yeah. Uh, yeah it feels great yeah 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 i mean people are asking questions too especially yeah. when you're you know you're an active dude you're a big dude tall active um not big as in you know what i mean um I I'm six foot five for <laughs> yeah. people who can't see me yes but, uh, very yeah. tall yeah. very active um yeah so and i think i mean for any guy it's like even more impressive to people like it's just like oh you only eat plants and you're not withering away, you know? It's yeah, like, I know. For it's me, so I'm wild. like a tiny little girl. Right, so they're like, right, of course right. you're vegan. <laughs> you know, it's funny though. There's, there's so many different references to that make that I think of when people say that, you know, first of all, like just look to like a rhinoceros or an elephant or a gorilla and they're all plant-based diets and right. they're freaking massive and will stomp you, Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, um, and you know, incredibly strong. And, and the interesting thing is, is that the way you get, the proper um, amino acids from meat is because the meat that you've eaten ate the plants that has the amino acids. So you can just skip the meat and go straight to the proper amino acids through the plants and you're good. But most people don't know that. Like there's there's this thing that's been put out there that protein is something you only get from animals. Animal protein is synonymous. And it, of course it's been, you know, marketed in that way for, for profit, but Mm -hmm. um, um, it's been made very clear that, you know, there's 26 amino acids. Nine of them are essential, you, and you can't get them. Like the other ones, the body can actually synthesize, but the certain, the nine, you can't. And you have to get them from somewhere, and you right. can get them from plants. Yeah. And Go it's not actually source. protein. The conversation, like that's the big, wow. that's the big conversation about like because I'm athletic and I and I you know I ride a bunch. You know, mm-hmm. that's one of the big questions for athletes is where do you get your protein? Yeah. Um, and there's a guy, Rich Roll, who I listen to. I know Love you listen him. to him. Yeah. Love and, him. And, and he's, he's like, he's like, it is virtually impossible to be protein deficient. Right. You can just, you can eat fruit all day long and you would still get enough protein to survive. Right. You know? And so this idea that we have to eat like massive amounts of animal flesh in right. order to get our protein is, is, is completely fabricated. It's completely false. Um, and yeah. And most Americans get three to four times too, too much, much, right? Too know? much protein, and it's animal protein, mm-hmm. which yeah. is so unhealthy. <laughs> Very unhealthy. Yeah, yeah. Rizal is amazing. Did you see the Game Changers? No, I have not seen it. Did you, you know about the, it? Though, I right? do know about yeah. it. Yeah, we went. To, we went to it. You went to the open. We went all the way to Somerville. I <laughs> almost did, but I just I've been doing so much driving yeah. lately. I couldn't. Oh yeah. Up to do it. I, don't know, I know it'll come out. It'll come out on streaming. Is October it out streaming 1st. already? October first. Yeah. Okay. Okay. How was it? Oh my God, it was amazing. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, it literally is a game changer, I think, you know? Yeah. So well yeah. done. Great. Um, 
I mean, yeah, you watch that, and I mean, how can you dispute it? I mean, these people are super elite elite athletes, mm-hmm. Olympians. Yeah, I mean, like, Novak Djokovic. Huge, you know, yeah. we're talking, he was one of the producers of the yeah, of the movie, yeah. and and the number one. Ranked when he won, I was like, player. Everyone, I know, he's right? Vegan. Exactly. He's playing based. He's playing based. Everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and from an ath- from, as an athlete, one of the big um, reasons why, like, there's a guy Brendan Brazier who I follow as well. He he's a, um, a triathlete, an endurance mm-hmm. athlete. And and he started, as did Rich Roll, started eating a plant-based diet for the athletic right. rewards, not for like the ethics and morality of factory farming. And they, they were like, you yeah. know what? A, the recovery is better. And so if your recovery is faster when you're eating a plant-based diet, you can get back to working out again faster. Right. And so you can be one step ahead of your competition. And, exactly. And, and it's you know actually been sort of playing out. You see people who are doing incredible things. Right. Yeah, it was a really good film. So mm, I'll it check it out. out. I'm looking yeah, forward to it. I know. Yeah. I, like, I want to like yeah. buy it for everyone and like just pass it out. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> needs to watch this. <laughs> so you cycle like? Do you cycle every day? Not every day, but like I have every to take week. Take a few days sure. off, but yeah. as often as I can. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm doing you know twenty to fifty miles at a clip, and then I go up to the mountains, uh, Blue oh, Ridge cool. Parkway and Brevard Ooh, area, and, and and do. Yeah. Um, next weekend I'll do, I think it's like 75 up in the mountains. That'll be a big ride. 75 miles? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm all in. I've been like this since I was a kid. My, my, yeah. my siblings were taking the carpool to school and I asked my parents like in second grade, you know, I don't want to, can I ride my bike to school? Really? And so it was like four miles back and forth each way through like big canyons and stuff in San Diego. And they're like, yeah, go for it. So, so you've <laughs> always been a cyclist. I've always like, been a cyclist. Yeah. You, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Oh, and my dad awesome. did too. And he, he yeah. loves it, you know, but it's like, I mean, to the point where me and two good friends, Britt and Stu, and actually Eddie went on the first ride, but the four of us um, rode the entire length of the French Alps. And wow. then we went back, the three of us, Stu and, and Britt and I, and rode the entire length of the Pyrenees. So like Tour de France climbs day after day. And, 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 Was that know, just mind-blowing? Mind-blowing, yeah. yeah. Uh, spiritual experience in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, just the like, it's so difficult in some, in some ways. Being able to, to challenge myself in that way, like I, I, that wasn't on my radar you know, cycling the entire length of the Alps, you know, <laughs> but my buddy Stu was turning 50 and he was like, you know what, yeah. this is what I want to do for my 50th birthday. Wow. You guys want to go? Like, yeah, let's uh, do it. Obviously. I just said yes, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, you... I don't know. Can I do that? Like, okay. I'm going to do yes. that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. What, what, how long ago was that? That was kind of recent. Uh, the Pyrenees was more recent. That was 2017. Hmm. And then it was, I think two years prior to that when we did, uh, when we did the Alps. Wow. Yeah. And it was just, you know, the basic, the basic like layout of the day is get up, have breakfast, crack a dawn at the little hotel we were in, the little, you know, auberge or the gîte or mm. some little French place. Oh my and, gosh. <laughs> and, and then um, get on our bikes and ride till lunch. Yeah. Stop at the, some little village for lunch. Get on your bike and ride till dinner. And have dinner and then sleep and get up and do it again. Wow. <laughs> so you had the whole thing kind of planned. I mean, you'd have to have no, it planned out or? Not you know? really. Oh. We uh, we knew our beginning point and our destination. And right. then we figured it out as we went. So you just have a back, like you're just backpacking basically? Well, or? they have this okay, new thing, which is absolutely amazing, called bike packing. 
And previously, touring on a bike, is, which is what you would do for something like this, yeah. is a touring setup. It's panniers, those little side bags that you see like on horses oh, oh, that you yeah. can have on bikes on the yeah, bike rack. Yeah, yeah. And then like a front bag yeah. in the middle of the handlebars. Well, hmm. some really bright people decided there's other places on a bike to hang bags. And so straight out from the seat, there's something called a rocket pack that mm-hmm. can shoot out underneath your seat. And it's all like compression sacked in. And you can put quite a bit in there. And then they make wow. these really long, narrow ones that go underneath the um, top tube yeah. and on top of the top tube. And like every little place of the bike, the, the basically using up every available space vertically on a bike so that mm. you're still streamlined. So it still wow. feels like a more performance ride. When you're riding a pannier, like a touring bike with panniers, it feels kind of like driving an 18-wheeler. It's like yeah, it's, you have all it's, it's bag, not yeah, a yeah, yeah. it's not a like streamlined Streamline, yeah. race aerodynamic. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. But, but this new bike packing thing is, and uh-huh. it's really cool. And all of us have these bikes that um, uh, they have uh, couplers on them, so they hmm. they come apart in the middle. It's a regular bike, like oh, a yeah, full yeah. size. I mean, I'm like I said, six foot five. I ride a 63 centimeter bike, which is a big bike. Yeah. That whole bike, which mine in my case is a 1985 steel frame Lotus bike, mm. um, it breaks apart in the center, and it goes into a box the size of the wheel. What? It's the diameter <laughs> of the so wheel, cool. but the whole bike goes in there. It's yeah. maybe ten inches tall, and see, so yeah, I can just pop that on an airplane and take it to where I'm going. And oh, we yeah, would awesome. go like to we we go to the um, the post office in that town, the first mm-hmm. town, build our bikes up mail our bike box to the hotel at the end of the line <laughs> oh my gosh, that's and awesome. then we go meet our bikes you know or meet our bike boxes oh later my God, on that's awesome yeah yeah super that cool super fun. i wasn't riding i wasn't you know fully plant-based on on that trip yeah. and, and it would have been harder. definitely harder yeah traveling you know that's yeah. one of the things that becomes more difficult particularly traveling in remote villages in france oh where yeah like, they would look at you like you're you crazy know, you, you you might not be able to even find exactly what you're looking for right. you can find much better selection of organic fruits and vegetables for sure. Oh yeah, you know, for sure, yeah. Um, but it's also a big, you know, cheese and so much cheese. and yeah. and gluten filled yeah. craziness. You know, so like much gluten. I know, yeah, I'm yeah, gluten free yeah. too. So. Are you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it kind of narrows down the field, it right? Does. Like I'm like gluten free. I don't drink alcohol right. anymore. I'm plant based. I don't really drink alcohol. And I'm sugar, <laughs> sugar avoidant. So like, yeah. I I don't. Uh, Which like I mean, even if you were somewhere. And they had like a sweet treat. It's probably not going to be vegan or gluten free. And then very hard even to find yeah, so I mean, <laughs> so you don't have to worry about this sugar anyways because yeah. you weren't going to eat it. You know exactly. Um, yeah, yeah gluten free was the first thing I did. Me too. Um, yeah. Why did you go gluten free? So I I was I had uh, ir- um, ulcerative colitis, which okay. is yeah irritable bowel disease. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Similar. Um, yeah. How terrible. did it manifest with you? Um, in my colon blood um, oh wow really yeah, okay yeah, yeah that's like, that's just was, that's that's concerning it was horrible um yeah. and i've talked about it i'll, I'll tell okay. you briefly but um so i well you know i was a bit i'm i am an artist and now i'm doing this but i had a studio down on king street um which i think this is how like how it uh manifest or how it came about i mean obviously there were problems probably before that I just didn't know about obviously yeah. I and mean, the tipping point was the stress from you know I had the studio mm. and it was just like a lot of pressure I just had a lot of pressure and I put pressure on myself in general you know stress is amazing like <gasps> that that's how yeah. my gluten intolerance really flared because oh, really? Uh, when I was divorced so in the oh. process of that 
divorce yeah. and subsequent relationship with a new person that was like great and sort of volatile on some mm. level. Um, right. um, when I got on the other side of that, my whole physiology changed. Changed, yeah. I could no longer like I was completely gluten intolerant, right. and and I have been ever since. Right. Um, but I also used to smoke cigarettes every once in a while, mm. used to chew tobacco every once in a while. <laughs> Nicotine became a no-no immediately. Oh, right. And thankfully, because yeah. it can be very difficult to kick a nicotine oh, habit, sure. but pain's a good motivator. So <laughs> exactly. nicotine was a IBS trigger for me. And wow. and the way my the way it works for me is is um it feels like somebody's reached into my abdomen and oh. grabbed all my intestines and is twisting them mm. like an Indian rug burn. Ooh. It's very uncomfortable yeah. and 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 it like forces me to lay on the couch for a couple hours and it for some reason it depletes all the energy going to my brain. So yeah. I'm in like a brain fog right. and and so I was I did this elimination diet right. and realized that okay, nicotine out, <laughs> out. Peace. And <laughs> what was the uh what was the other one? Oh Caffeine, coffee. Yeah, out. I don't drink coffee either. Yeah, and they were all triggers for yeah. for. My well, it's like health. a stimulant. I mean, caffeine mm-hmm. can can definitely Acidic. be pro- problematic for any type of bowel issue. Um, yeah, yeah. And I have mixed feelings about that, but yeah, I mean that happened, and then um, I went to the doctor. You know, had a colonoscopy, all that kind of stuff, and they told me that I had that. And I went down this rabbit hole of googling it, and then feeling mm. like that my life was over. And I did try some drugs, but it progressively just got worse. And so then mm. I went on my own kind of like research, and I was like, rogue, yeah, googling. yeah, yeah, <laughs> rogue rabbit googling. hole. It's always conspiracy filled. Oh yeah, always. <laughs> yes. Um, and I did paleo. Um. But okay, you did that. I did try paleo because mm-hmm. I was I was I was already conflicted at that point. I had seen Calspiracy and I was already I didn't really eat a lot of red meat anyways. And not that that is better, um, but I was weaning off of meat slightly. Um, but then I saw these people had, you know, used paleo and heal. So I was just like, whatever. I just want to yeah, heal. Right. right? I mean, yeah. I, at that point, I was I would have eaten anything. Um, but it did make me worse and I eventually ended up in the hospital for two or three days oh, no with kidding. severe anemia. So okay. I had been, cause it was so slow that oh. I was losing blood. Eventually I had, wow. I had no, I had, a, um, my ferritin, which is your iron storage. I had three, it was at a three, which is what basically is like deadly. Uh, like 20 or something okay. like I could have had a heart attack and died basically. Dang. Um, okay. but prior to that, I went to England to, to do, uh, an FMT. Do you know what that is? No. It's, a uh, Fecal microbial transplant. So basically, you oh, transplant. Okay, I have yeah, heard of that. You crazy. did that. I did that. Holy cow! Yeah, I did like seven. I went to this clinic, and really? it was it was really it was such a great experience. I mean, I've talked about now it that's, because it that's was part of like resetting your gut biome, oh, right? Every, this can be right? used for literally everything. Okay, like the microbiome uh, is 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 the root of all of, of all your health, right? If you have right. an imbalance of bacteria, I mean, it could manifest basically any disease. Um, We're going to start talking about Dr. Zach Bush now. Oh my gosh, I love him. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> For anybody who's listening, yes. if you want a deep dive. Yes, Zach Bush, Zach Bush. Rich Roll. check him out. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's incredible. Yeah. But he talks about this a lot. He, oh yeah. And I mean, that's the problem with the gluten is not necessarily the gluten, perhaps. The glyphosate. But the glyphosate, yeah. So, right. And that's, that's what I say. Because I mean, you might could have gone, you know, when you were in France and 
eaten gluten and it might would have yeah and it probably did, didn't actually. bother did it bother I, you I, no exactly no but isn't that crazy i i couldn't i couldn't say i can't say de- definitively that that's a like conclusive um, right. um determination simply because i was burning so many calories because of the cycling I was doing, I feel right. like I probably could have eaten my shoe and my <laughs> stomach would have been like, got it. We're going to turn that into some calories. But, but I have actually been to, to France numerous times and eaten bread numerous times right. there and in little villages and right. not had the same reaction I have. I hear the story here, from so many people, you know, but it's hard to get away from now. I mean, right. it's, it's, there's so much. I mean, I think, I think the number is like four and a half billion tons of glyphosate are used annually on on the, on our farming and the Isn't planet, that insane? and you know, for people who don't know, um, it is uh, a part of Roundup. It's like the the chemical agent mm-hmm. in Roundup that is used to quote protect right the crops and harvest it quicker for the wheat. Yeah, the, that they just yeah, douse yeah. it. It's just it basically dousing drenched in it. Side effects. Yeah, it basically but uh, breaks down your gut lining barrier. Mm-hmm. So that's how like little particles, I mean, they call it leaky gut or, mm-hmm. you know, permeability or all, whatever. Um, so then that's, that can trigger autoimmune disease or, right. you know, a whole host of issues. Um, but yeah, breaking glyphosate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's so crazy. It's so, it's so wild. I mean, it, it, um, people just don't know about it right. and it's used everywhere. And, and that's, you know, uh, one of the reasons why um, I have most likely have a gluten intolerance. Oh yeah, you know. So I talked about I um I talked about this like a couple episodes before, but I so I've been very like the, when I first went gluten free, I was not very diligent about it. I would be like, oh, oh just yeah, have, like a little bite of that, that looks good, you know. And uh, and it, to me now, I feel like that's kind of like um you know opening up a wound or a scab like every time, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, anyways. Now I'm very diligent about it because I, of the autoimmune response. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, it'll, yeah. the the body will 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 go under attack mode. Exactly. And it totally disrupts your your microbiome in your right. gut. Yeah, and when yeah. I was trying to heal, that was like the worst thing. Right, to do. Like I was, right, right. So it took but I would do that same thing. Yeah. Just to see if it was still a problem. Right. Like every once in a while, I'd be like, oh, I'm just gonna have a giant pizza. Well, so I, like a couple, like a month ago, uh, I had an avocado toast. Derek and I shared an avocado toast that the bread looked really great. It was like from some local bakery here. And I was like, I'll just have half, you know, that looks really good. And it's local. And I have literally have not had like a piece of bread, like non-gluten-free bread in years. The next day I had inflammation in my knee for two days. And like not an, like, Mm. you know, people could probably just be like, oh, you know, whatever, something else. But it was a pain that I've never had before. Like, so it was obviously, it was definitely the bread. A hundred percent. I feel like it was the bread. Yeah. Well, for me, that's, that's all the proof I need. I don't don't need to go down a scientific hole there. Yeah. That's, (laughs) uh, that's why I mentioned earlier. It's, it's all an experiential practice for me. So, you know, I was like, can I eat this way? feel good Mm -hmm. and and my baseline was not feel better my baseline was can i feel as good as i do now right which i have a decent amount of chronic pain that i'm dealing with Mm. from for inflammation and different things Mm -hmm. plant-based diets are much less anti or much less inflammatory so that was worth a go but it was like hey if, if i can eat this way and still feel the same way i do right now that's fine with me like that's yeah. fantastic yeah. so i just have to try the experiment and see how it works because then i don't have any blood on my hands like mm. i i don't i know like i'm not eating something that was either you know mistreated tortured 
taken away from its, you know, mother, mother, <laughs> or <No. laughs> she's going to cry. So awful. But so yeah, sad. no, but it, it it is at the end of the day, going back to you know having to kill them yourself. Like if I'm not, oh, I can never. If I'm it. not comfortable doing that, then. Um, but I'm comfortable allowing somebody else to do it for me. I'm and still participating them. in the process. Yeah. And, and it just feels cleaner oh, yeah. without it. But I didn't want to, you know, I needed to just do it and right. see how I felt. Right. And the result is I feel great. Right. Yeah. After I got it right. right. It took a minute to tweak it. And you that's know? okay. But you know? After I got it where I got it right. And I say right, like I feel like I'm still just kind of scraping the surface right. of, of how I could do this better. Right. You know, but well, it's just a, it's all a journey, anyways. You know, so yeah, it's a fun journey. Yeah, that you're not yeah, murdering anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but spiritually, I think for me, just yeah, knowing that I'm causing the least amount of harm possible is is big. You know. Yeah, I think that's good motivation. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I was looking on your website earlier, and it said that you had gone through a meditation. I don't know how long mm. it was like two to five hours Depositing. a day you were meditating. Oh, so, well, so I did a meditation uh, course earlier this year, oh. but, um, I actually did an installation piece, um, that was at the city gallery in Charleston that, that two years before that, where it was a full like experiential, um, performance piece. So I actually created a black box theater, on the front mm-hmm. end. So the very first thing you did was put on headphones and walk into this cool. black box theater. Whereas about as big as this room, maybe a little bigger, you could have like 10 people sitting there. There was a projector and I was sitting there and it was a 15 minute video piece that was projected on me and around me while you're listening to headphones of a mm-hmm. soundtrack that was made for it. That was made to like, it's pretty intense. The mm-hmm. images were really quick and rapid and intense and a bit sort of uh, surreal, um, yeah. sort of, there was this version of me in the video painted fully white from head to toe and wandering through these buildings. Um, And then I'm sitting there actually live in person in front of you meditating the whole time. And so it was, it was designed to like um, that first bit was designed to like kind of hit people over the head. So in a metaphoric way. So like you're, Mm -hmm. you come in, we're all so, freaking busy with the, all these to-do lists and, and it's hard like text messaging and cell phones and emails yeah. and, and it's hard to get people to fully monotask and just be mm-hmm. present in the moment for this one thing and I've done so many different art shows over the, over my career that um, uh, there was a time when I really enjoyed them because it was just fun to be you know drinking and socializing and, right. and then I was like you know what like this isn't why I do this like you know I have an art show and people show up and they're like backs to the artwork with their drinks in their hands, just socializing. Mm. And I thought, you know what? I want to set, I want to like design the show so that that's not possible. Mm-hmm. So that if you're coming and, you, and, and you're going to bother to come and spend time and see what I've made, I'm going to like arrange it so that you have the greatest potential to actually see it. Whether you like it or not was like not my issue. Yeah. Like I just want you to be able to pause enough to step out of your day-to-day to-do list to like mm. get quiet enough to really see it. And to not socialize. Um, so headphones, you're listening to music and tracks that some incredibly talented musicians helped me make. Uh, oh. Lee Barber did a track. Quentin Baxter did mm. a track. And Duncan Sheik did a track for me. And, and these are Grammy Award winning, Grammy nominated. Like it was yeah. really amazing. That's and, awesome. and, and the, the music was 
set to not have a hook, no lyrics, just to be this sort of ambient soundtrack that puts you in a proper mindset to um, be quiet and contemplative for the artwork that you're seeing. Hmm. Um, and it was really effective. Wow. Um, it was a big push. It was a lot of work. And I w- but I was there for the duration of the show and, and meditating for whoever came, which ended up being, yeah, maybe three or four hours a day for, uh, was it five weeks or six weeks? Wow. Yeah. How did that transform you meditating that much? I knew I it was going to, and I wanted that to be part of the installation. Yeah. So, you know, I'm actually changing myself as it's a live, you know, thing. It's not like some static yeah. thing where there's just artwork on the wall. And, and that was part of what I really wanted to do right. um, to run the experiment. So I'm like, I'm running an experiment while the show is going. Yeah. Um, it, it manifested over the course of a few years. It really did shift things. Like, um, um, I was... At first, I was uh, in a place where I just didn't want to do any more work. Mm-hmm. I was just really like tired. <laughs> it was a really <laughs> big push. Um, and I, but I did a seven-day silent meditation retreat not too long after that, and mm-hmm. that was really cool. Um, but w- one of the things that that I learned from that from this guy Ajashanti was this notion of um, letting go of control. Mm. And just allowing everything to be as it is. That's one of his mantras. Mm. And, and he talks about moving in harmony with what is. And, you know, these are things that conceptually you can wrap your head around. But actually putting them into action is really different. Mm. And it's really challenging. Because, you know, um, we all have expectations about the way things should be. And it's really hard to not have expectations. And as soon as you yeah. have clear expectations... Um, it's it's the uh, it's the anomaly when your expectations are actually matched by the reality. So more often than not, your expectations are not You're met not, yeah. in, in one way, shape, or another. <laughs> and if you are holding on to them too hard, you're controlling too much. It, it's this resistance which mm-hmm. causes um, suffering. And you know, pain is a nece- is is a fundamental component of being human but yeah. suffering's optional like you mm-hmm. add another layer on top of the pain by resisting what's happening in the moment what is yeah and so just being okay with what is and and mm-hmm. so that's a you know it's a daily day it's a daily it's a process day, day a daily meditation day. for mean, me just yeah. to sort of be present to that thing to have it's hard because um to have a, a vision about the future which i do but to then let go of how I get there or mm-hmm. even if I get there. Right. So it's this, you know, balance between those two things, you know, right. and I don't, I'm, I want to be grounded and I want to have a clear sense for where I'm going, mm-hmm. but at the same time to not have blinders on and to leave room open for, you know, new opportunities, new opportunities, new different directions, to, yeah. new discoveries, you know, mm-hmm. along the way. Yeah. Um, but the other meditation thing I did, which was, um, Vipassana course and, I'm careful to call it a course because it was not a retreat. So there's meditation retreats, which are like yoga and smoothies and meditation (laughs) and walking in nature. And and it's a retreat. Maybe you're in Bali or you're in Costa Rica. (laughs) I would do that one too, though. (laughs) Might be a hammock involved. Yeah. The sound of the waves in the distance. But no, this is not the case. This is boot camp for meditation. And a Vipassana retreat is a very particular thing. Um, the most difficult thing I've ever done, harder than riding my bike through the Alps or the Pyrenees. It was 10 days in a row of 10 hours of meditation a day, sitting in meditation posture. One to 
60 minutes to 90 minutes at a clip and then you have maybe a 10 minute break or maybe a lunch break but it was over the course of the day you know on average about 10 hours of seated cross-legged meditation um and the whole idea that they espouse at the vipassana courses is um Mm -hmm. equanimity and their definition of that is essentially neither wishing for pleasant sensations to remain or for unpleasant situations, uh, sensations to go. Hmm. And so the whole practice is designed around helping you understand when you're holding on or resisting, holding on to something pleasant or resisting mm-hmm. to something uncomfortable. Um, and that's one of the fundamental causes of human suffering. Right. Um, and so... It was really painful, and um, it's funny. This is like so, like everybody who ever goes to these things says the same thing. Like <laughs> the hardest thing and the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And the hard part is like, like it's not a very good advertisement for like, I'm, I'm not swaying <laughs> you here, to, right? To, like, to it's suffer. so You're hard. Gonna You're going to be in pain. Yeah. <laughs> but what happens is, is what happened to me and what happens to most people is you hit a point where you... Uh, learn how to stop focusing on the discomfort that you're mm. experiencing. And and through that process, I learned that the more I focus on the discomfort, the greater it becomes. The less I focus on it, the less I give it attention and feed it my energy, the more it dissipates. And so this incredible pain I was having in my leg or my knee or my back or whatever, there were there was a point where it just stopped. And kind of like magic because Mm -hmm. i was i stopped giving it energy and i kind of got through this got over this hump of like you know mentally not like it was the mental thing the physical pain was was a manifestation of 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 my mind in, in, in a lot of ways and and that taught me that i was like that there like i already knew that i had a you know that i was pretty strong and like not just physically but you know mentally and spiritually and but that taught me that like there was this other depth in me that i didn't even realize where i was even stronger than i thought Mm -hmm. And, and that that's a pretty nice takeaway from a difficult experience is to come out of it and just be like oh wow like that's really motivating yeah um i definitely had a similar experience not through a meditation course I went through but when I was sick mm. I I went plant-based and I did get to about 90% but I couldn't get to 100 mm. and trying to figure out why that was and it was my mind I was basically oh. um what were the last things eggs the last things that I did for plant-based yeah um, like if you were 90% plant-based no I was fully percent 90% I was 100% plant-based but I couldn't heal 100% yeah sorry that was confusing it was my mind okay that was uh, inhibiting the full healing. How was it doing that? Because I was stuck in this, uh, whether it was my subconscious or what, uh, just telling myself that I was never, it was never going to happen, you know? Uh, that you and then strong enough and the you pain, you know, enough, or there was something broken about you or, um, I think, you know, the strong, I am very strong willed. I, my okay. mother would attest to that. If I'm okay. going to do something, I freaking do it. You <laughs> know, like, <laughs> um, so, your Southern just came out right there. Uh, did it? Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> nice. I can't wait to re-listen to that. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It was just, I just, uh, I did get fixated probably by this notion. I've always been healthy, what I thought. I've always been athletic. But 
I'd never had a, a sickness or an illness. So hmm. having some type of diagnosis of saying you have this was still like, I guess, in oh. the back of my mind that I have this, which now I'm like, I don't have anything wrong with me. I'm gotcha. great, you know? So you were still holding on to having a, I was still holding on to it, but trying to release was, it. was not going to go away. Right. Gotcha. And you were just managing it. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I, I, um, I just couldn't stop. It was obsessing over it. And, you know, the first thing that you think of in the morning, if you're thinking of, oh, what's today going to be like, like already anticipating mm. the suffering to possibly happen, you know, gotcha. even though it hadn't even happened yet. Or, yeah, you so know, you're setting yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just basically like disconnecting from that and just not thinking about it. Like, I'm not going to think about it anymore. I'm fine. Everything's nice. fine. And then like affirmate, like I did affirmations. Mm -hmm. I listened to lots of affirmations. I did. I was meditating more then, which I don't do as much now. Um, <laughs> I need to get back on the wagon. And uh, yeah, I mean, those were like, it was basically like my, my mind was the last 10%. So I'm, and now I'm a big advocate for how powerful the mind is for really healing anything. I feel like, um, and conversely, for causing yourself and causing a ton your suffering, of suffering, absolutely, you know, it, absolutely, it's, it's the primary source of most of it. Right. You know? I mean, there's this sense that's that um, is sold to all of us from modern day advertising that we will never be enough. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's the whole essence of consumerism mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. that you need to have this extra thing in order to be fulfilled as an individual. And it's sneaky. Right. It's not that you know literal yeah but that's the essence of it is, oh they do is, a great is, job at it, like it you need this in yeah. order to feel better about yourself and right. so and you do temporarily hidden in that message is you know you need this to feel better for yourself because you're not whole right and so there's this uh, modern day phenomenon that's happened across that uh -huh. i can see across the board where everybody is living in this sort of low level anxiety um here comes the siren no, to, they're coming to, for us. to trigger the alarm. Yeah. Low level anxiety. And, um, um, but also this, this sense that people just don't feel, uh, whole or enough or. Well, that goes to like connection. I feel like, you know, we're not connected to nature anymore. We're like, mm. so, and, mm -hmm. and society is kind of pushing us even against it more, you know, like internalizing everyone to their phones or their computers mm -hmm. or their TV or whatever. And then disconnecting people socially, like, because you can be inside and you kind of feel like you're mm. not alone, but you are, you know, you're not actually engaging right. in other people. And so, right. right. I think there was a guy I listened to on ritual the other day who was talking about that. And he's uh, Cal Newport. Did you listen to that one? Oh. Digital minimalism mm -hmm. is his, uh, is his mantra, uh, which is great. And it's, it's, it all makes perfect sense, but it's all very difficult. He's like, I don't ha I don't ever engage in social media. And, and his, the way he described it, I had never heard it described as in this way. He said, um, it, think of it like a diet. He's like, there's whole, whole plant-based healthy foods you can eat, mm -hmm. um, and there's junk food. And he's like, and I don't eat junk food. He's like, and social media is junk food for your mind. So mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't partake in it at all. He's like, he has a zero tolerance wow. game for it even though his thing is he's like a teacher he's a professor of like digital science what? I think. yeah <laughs> that's like yeah but he's like it's different well, like you can be involved yeah, right. in technology true, but yeah. not be partaking in the junk food part of um, it yeah aspect of it uh because you know he's quick to remind everybody like the essence of facebook and instagram and these you know social media apps is they're 
out there for profit. They, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's disguised around like social connection and community. But the right. essence that that's the sell, that's the yeah. pitch. But under the pitch is like we're trying to make money here in any way we can. Oh, and, yeah. and and you know, it happens. I think there's great things that come of it. I know. I feel like it's a it's I have a love hate relationship with I it because know. for business. I mean, I, know. I mean, I that's mean, I'm a, yeah, yeah. We're in the same boat as 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 creatives. Yeah. How do you not very, use it? It's very liberating to be able to reach a global audience, which previously you could not do, and you had to rely on a gallery. Yeah, which only how many people, you know, how much they might. Yeah, yeah, who comes in that day? How much they're promoting you at Mm -hmm. that? You know, are you the flavor of the month or or what? So, yeah, it's it feels like a necessary tool. Necessary evil. I I know. (laughs) It is. It is. I mean. I can get sucked in too. Well, this will make you feel better and worse at the same time. (laughs) So the reason why it sucks you in is because the the way that they've figured out how to do these uh, algorithms that they use for Facebook and Instagram is they borrowed the science and the research from Las Vegas. And they know that certain amounts, like the whole like thing with the yeah. little heart. I hope they take that away. That's it. No, they would never take that they away. They think they might. They might. No. They on on Instagram. Some other thing on then. Instagram, really? they, are, they tried it in Canada, actually, to take really? it away that you can't see it. So I don't know if the person who has the account can see how many. Oh, wow. But yeah. Because well, it's, it's one just, of the especially for like teenagers, like it's really, I can't imagine being a teenager right now. I know. You know, and your son. So I tough. know. Um, because you know, it's you a different be, world. Yeah, it's so different than how we grew yeah. up, you know, yeah. and being accepted and wanting your peers to accept you. And if you don't have enough likes or enough followers, or oh, well, that's the thing with the whole you know Las Vegas analogy is yeah. is, is they know that it, given a certain amount of time, if you get a little kick, mm-hmm. that's like somebody comments or somebody likes it, like it's a little dopamine hit. It is, and and you no, never know is. when it's coming. You never know when the nice comments come in. You never know when the, you know, mean big post <laughs> comes where you get, you know, however many oh, more hits or something so like good. that. It feels so good. It does feel good. And that's that's a physiological thing that, that we can't escape from. Oh, so no. it, it uh, that's why it, it's addictive. And because then our body wants that. Like, it can oh, be we want the that opposite. Again. And then you don't get as many likes on a post. And you're like, oh, yeah. why? Why did nobody oh, yeah. like that one? Yeah, but it could have yeah, just yeah. been the time of day Snaky. or like whatever. And then I it makes know. you feel like shit. <laughs> I know. But thankfully, like, I feel like on the on the plus side, on the upside there, being able, like, so we're in Charleston. It, it It's not a very thriving plant-based community. Like, right. we're in, in the deep south. And, and, you know. It's better than Bennisville, okay? Okay. Well, <laughs> well we're not far from Bennisville. Like, we're still, you know, right, South right, Carolina. Right. Um, and... For me, it has been nice to be able to like stay connected to like a guy like James Aspey who lives in yes. Australia or Zach Bush or Rich Roll who lives in LA or John yeah. Joseph who's who's in New York or um, there's a whole host of people who are doing this and um, there's a guy, Nimai Delgado, have you heard of him? Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a, uh, uh, a weightlifter, I mean a, a bodybuilder. Oh, I think he, I think Somebody actually made a post Made a comment on one of his posts. It's like, dude, you have biceps on your biceps. <laughs> like, I mean, this dude is ripped. Wow. And he's massive. And yeah. he's never eaten animals his entire life. Yeah, it's a rarity. 
Um, no, but good. like being able to stay connected to those sorts of things is and inspiring. it's inspiring. Yes, yeah, yeah, so yeah. inspiring. Because I feel sometimes you know a bit like an island on John's Island. <laughs> like, because I mean, even my Literally. none of my closest friends even yeah. eat, eat this way. You know, right. and I'm not one to evangelize or preach. Like no, people come yeah. to it if they have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. You know, right. but. I'm not going to... You should I, be part of our, our, our uh, supper club. What's, tell me about this. Well, so that you when you came over that yeah. time, like we, we try to do a supper club, although April okay. and Dylan have had a baby, oh, so yeah. it makes it a little bit harder. We yes. don't have it as often. But okay. we try to get together like every couple of months and everybody brings a dish. So oh, like cool. then All you right. get to Can try new things. Place? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, right. that'd be awesome. That. I've been wanting to do that for a while, actually. Like just like... Sundays is the day I had in my mind that we yeah. would work, but I don't know if that works for everybody else. I mean, we could try but to schedule. I mean, that's what you throw some dates out some and dates then, out and you know, see who can come. It. And then everybody, yeah. like usually like the person who hosts has like an entree, but it doesn't have to be an entree. I mean, cause it's all like sides anyways. And somebody brings a salad. Oh, cool. Somebody brings a okay. dessert. It's really yeah. fun. Yeah. I'm into it. Let's do it. Yeah. Cool. Okie doke. Well, <laughs> so what are you working on now? What's, what's, what's the next thing? Um, uh, so I'm back doing or, some painting yeah. right now nice. and after taking a little hiatus and first painting I did when I came back was a painting of a horse, which I really love. Yeah. I still have it. Um, and there's a point at which like, I love painting animals. That's how I kind of started. Yeah, I was drawing animals in, yeah. in graphite, like, and, yeah. and it's just, you know, pencil. And then yeah. I started doing charcoal, but you know, I was doing, uh, somebody asked me this the other day. Um, I was actually on Patch Whiskey's podcast recently. Oh, cool. He's an artist here in town. And um, and I was doing like drawings of mountain lions, chimpanzees, oh. horses, <laughs> you know, tigers, yeah. eagles, stuff like that. You know, this is yeah. this is in grade school and high school. You know, I really right. loved it. I did, yeah. you know, drawings of my cats. Yeah. Um, and so I just painted this horse. And there is a, a point at which I really love that I, it was a big it's just like a headshot of a horse mm. and there's a point at which like suddenly i walk in my studio i'm like there's a horse in my studio like it's alive you wow, know and, and that really feels really good yeah you know? so yeah. that was a great way to kind of re-enter back into doing more painting mm -hmm. and i just finished a painting for um robert lang studios for their 15 year oh, wow. anniversary nice. and uh, they had 50 artists participate um and i did a landscape piece mm -hmm. and it, it was came out really nice and it oh, sold great. immediately even before the show opened so wow. i'm really happy with that that's great yeah, yeah. so those are kind of like leading me towards a new thing which i'm not quite sure what it is yet yeah. i've been describing it as like i don't know it's weird i have this feeling of i feel it like i feel that there's this painting style that's coming but i don't know what it is yet i wow. kind of have a sense for it but it's right now i'm just sort of painting in order to ensure that i still know what i'm doing right um and thankfully um even though t i took a little bit of time off from painting i've come back to it and i'm actually way better than i was before i stopped nice. so yeah. there's always this sense i don't know if you've done this where but because i kind of work in this merry-go-round thing of like i'm doing photography and then i'm doing some video and then i'm back to painting whenever i come back to painting um um feels good it feels good, but yeah. at, f at first there's a sense of, do I still know how to do this? Right. Like I have this like hesitation um, and I have to go through this like ritual of cleaning and organizing everything. <laughs> I do too. And then I'll go like, <laughs> if my studio is it. a mess, I cannot, I can't <laughs> do anything. I'm like, I need to clean this. I can't either. This is unorganized I, either. And I think this is a mess. 
there's a um i think it's a really healthy thing to do yeah and cleaning and organizing can be a form of procrastination Uh, um (laughs) it is i'm pretty sure for me i know it is but i know call it out but it's a good procrastination it it has to happen otherwise i will not be effective like i will just sit in front of the canvas and be like "Mm." Mm -hmm. something feels off (laughs) yeah it feels off Yeah. yeah yeah well awesome so if people want to uh see what you're working on they can follow you on instagram that we're yep. talking about John social Duffer media studios <laughs> yeah. um i have two accounts i have a personal one and a okay. art one yeah. and i think john duckworth you can find them both i would imagine okay. um jduckworth.com is my website okay. i'm showing my photographs now through the miller gallery here oh, in cool. charleston and sarah miller owns the miller gallery she's awesome um and my, uh, I have work sort of all over the place. Nice. Here in Charleston and yeah, you know, all places. over the world. That's awesome. Country. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on. This was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Okie doke. Until next time, peace and plants. Peace. Isn't he such a cool guy? He just has such a great story and energy surrounding him definitely check out his work it also has that same cool calming meditative feel to it and follow him along on social media to see what new work he is going to be putting out there as always thank you so much for listening please like share and subscribe follow me on instagram at the refined hippie and check out my website therefinedhippie.com You can also sign up for my newsletter. I send out secret recipes every month. And until next time, my friends, peace and plants.